So good to see everybody out there today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. You know, normally we have our four-mile football up here, but since we're in the middle of March Madness, we thought we'd switch it over to a basketball. Um, but here's the thing. All the same principles apply. If you want to win and succeed at the game of basketball, you got to focus on those fundamentals. And that's why we hear coaches over and over again saying, fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. It's the key to winning championships. And here's the thing. Paul writes about it too. In the first letter that he writes to the church in Corinth, he actually reaches into this topic and gives us some inspiration. I like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases it from the message. He says, we've all been to the stadium to see the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. And that is why Four Mile is always a church that's been focused on the fundamentals because we're going to be training in them all the time so that we can run to win as a church. And we all know that those fundamentals, um, they're the pillars, of course. We talk about them pretty regularly. We'll talk about them a little bit more in a second. But they're also what we do as a church and how we stay focused on those fundamentals and how we have this vision. We've got to know what our vision is for the fundamentals, to reach the tri-state region and beyond, making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that by taking our next steps towards Christ together day by day. We cannot achieve that by just coming here on Sundays every now and then and shining a pew. We got to be about the business of this kingdom every single day of the week. And that is why we kind of have this second thing. It's really important for us to be mindful of, and that is that we are a church with flaws. That's a really important fundamental. It is okay to not be okay at Four Mile Church. And hopefully that's a relief to you that you're coming to a church where people do not sit in judgment on you because every one of us are in process or at some level or another. But of course, none of us want to stay in that not okay place, which is why we have that third main fundamental. And that is that we love you enough to tell you the truth in the person, words, and works of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, we're learning about that truth, and we've been doing this really since last Easter, as we're focusing on this letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And in it, he's particularly focused, especially since Christmas, he's been focused on church and church unity. And we're learning a lot about that. Last week, we studied the part in blue that you see up there, where Paul explains some gifts that Jesus gave to the church in the form of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, offices that provide leadership, direction, and encouragement to unite the church. We saw how two of them, apostles and prophets, appear to be temporary offices. They naturally died off. And then there was this third, evangelists, which may have been temporary, but they still kind of maybe surface from time to time on occasion whenever they're needed. And then the remaining two, shepherds and teachers, they're permanent functions, and they can be in the form of one or two offices, as we saw last week. These are the offices that Jesus himself fills with people who he calls and equips to carry out their calling. And of course, this notion of a calling it isn't just about these leadership offices. It's actually a calling that every single one of us has when we're called to the invisible church. That was part of your homework this last week when we gave you that little one-pager from Oz Guinness entitled The Call, The Entrepreneur of Life. And hopefully you all spent some time this week kind of digging into that and seeking out how you're called to your specific place within the church. And then today, Paul tells us exactly why Jesus appoints people to fill these leadership offices. Paul writes, 
And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So that is what the elders here at Four Mile are charged with making sure your pastors, Cammie and I, carry out from day to day. That is our calling, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. So I want to begin by asking, is that our view of what pastors are called to do as shepherds and teachers? Is that what we think of whenever we hear this term pastor? Because we may have grown up with a much different view of what pastors should do. I mean, after all, I hear this pretty regularly, pastors really only work one hour a week, right? That's it. So they got plenty of time to cut the grass, take the trash out, go ahead and shovel all that snow. Why aren't they the ones organizing all the potlucks? You know, that's a big task, somebody should do that. Running those men's and women's groups, visiting the elderly, stopping by the hospital after people have surgeries. Isn't that what good pastors should do? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I would love it if that was my role. It's, I know it sounds weird. I actually enjoy cutting grass. There is no better workout than shoveling snow. If you've ever led a men's group, it's exciting, it's fun, um, truly engaging. I absolutely love the elderly. Um, they're full of wisdom, they got a great sense of humor. So if I love that so much, why don't I just do that every single day? Because according to Paul, that is not at all what Jesus has called pastors to do. Jesus calls pastors first to equip the saints. So who are the saints? Well, it's you, if you've placed your faith in Jesus. So my job is to equip you to help you live out your unique calling within God's church. So that second, each of you can do the work of ministry. So the saints do the work of ministry? So you mean churches aren't given pastors to do ministry so that the saints, the members, they don't have to? Well, yeah, that seems to be what Paul's saying. He says pastors are given to churches to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So that third, the body of Christ might be built up. So whenever we equip the saints and the saints actually carry out the work of ministry, well then the body of Christ is then built up by reaching the lost, strengthening the found in Christ, because that's God's master plan set in place before the foundation of the world. So we gotta have a right perspective of these church offices if we're gonna function properly within them. In other words, we need to know what Jesus' playbook is so that we can run the plays he wants us to run so that we can run to win. We don't want to be one of those 4,500 churches each year for the last five years that have shut down in America because they weren't playing the game right. No, we want to be one of those churches that flourishes, and that only happens when we play it the way Jesus designed us to play it. Church is not a place that we go on Sundays to be entertained and to have our needs met by a pastor. And you know that's a problem whenever the church feedback that you receive is focused on the member's comfort. 
And this does happen sometimes. When people start complaining that it's too cold in here, it's too loud, it's too dark. I didn't like that song. I don't like how those communion elements taste. That's why Paul's been teaching us that the church is not a people who consume. It's saints who produce. Saints who are being equipped for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. The true invisible church is a body of believers where Jesus is the head and the Holy Spirit unites. Where the saints do things the way Jesus desires. They move on at his pace and in his direction. They don't care how the communion bread tastes because they're so focused in being in communion with Jesus. They don't care about what songs we sing because they're so caught up in praising our Lord and Savior. So let's take a minute now and let's dig into these three directives. The first directive is to equip the saints. So the focus here is on the saints, members of the invisible church, the faithful in Christ Jesus, those who are on mission, carrying out the twin towers of our calling, the great commandment to love God and to love others, and the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how do pastors go about equipping the saints to do that so that people actually come to salvation in Christ? Well, Paul tells us specifically in Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Now we could literally spend months breaking this one down, and you know I'd love to do that, but we're going to do it super quick. First of all, we see that Jesus sends pastors to preach the truth of Scripture. That's the sent part that we see at the end. That's what pastors are called to do. He didn't send pastors to be the funny guy, to be hip, to wear those skinny jeans and the white shoes and put that shiny product in their hair, smelling sweet all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Those ones that want to be well-liked, telling emotionally charged stories that entertain and just make you feel so good about yourself. No, Jesus sends pastors to clearly, concisely, and lucidly preach the sometimes hard but always loving truth that we find in Scripture. That's what pastors do. Making the truth of the Bible come alive so that people hear it. That's the word we see. Because Paul says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard. And sadly, there are those who've been attending church their entire lives, but they've never heard the truth, simply because the church was solely focused on entertaining them. And they need to hear it, because hearing the truth is what leads to believing it. We cannot believe in something that we haven't heard about. And of course, Paul's been showing us throughout the entire letter here that belief manifests itself in behavior. They're intrinsically linked. If you actually want to know what people really believe, just look at their behavior. It tells you everything. 
For example, many people in America, they profess a faith in Jesus. They say they want to go to heaven, but yet they don't want to go to church on Sundays. They don't want to even get involved in church. They may come, but they actually don't get plugged in. Well, here's the thing. They haven't either heard that the church is God's master plan to unite all things in Christ, or else they don't believe it. So it's our job to make sure that at least they've heard about the truth of God's master plan, that it resides within his church, so that they can believe the truth. That is our focus. And then help them behave in step with it. How do they behave in the step with it? Well, Paul tells us, by calling on him. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a truth that people must hear. And of course, we all play a role in this. It's not me teaching everybody. I can't be everywhere. It's me teaching you to teach them as you live out your everyday, ordinary lives. That is how pastors equip the saints. That is why Cammie and I spend 20 plus hours preparing every sermon, unpacking the truth, investigating the origin of words, understanding the cultural, historical context, streamlining our explanations, building graphics, rehearsing over and over again so that the saints, those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, are equipped. It's very similar to the way a coach prepares a team for March Madness. I think back to my college basketball days. September's were absolutely brutal. It was my least favorite month of the year back then because it meant preseason conditioning, running, lifting, endless drills, dribbling, passing, rebounding, shooting over and over again, practicing those fundamentals so that when Midnight Madness hit on October 15th each year, we were equipped and ready to start the season. That's what Paul is teaching us here. And it's exactly why as a church we're so focused on those 12 pillars you see up there. They come directly from Scripture. They are the fundamentals as we see the early church employ them. And so we must train on them so that we're equipped, praying, serving, encouraging, praising. Now we may not be great at all of them, but we must at least know what they're about and how they're employed. So that when the alarm goes off each morning at 6 a.m., we're ready to play. We're ready to run to win. But not a race, not for a game of basketball, but we're ready for the work of ministry. Regardless of your occupation or how your day ultimately unfolds, our lives are about the work of ministry. So it's not just the pastor the music director, the youth leaders, the student ministry leaders. It's the saints who are to carry out the work of ministry. They are the ones called to organize those potlucks, to run those men's and women's groups, to visit the elderly, to stop by the hospital to check on people after they've had a surgery. But actually, when we dig a little deeper into the work of ministry, we find it has little to do with potlucks. Scripture doesn't tell us to stop what we're doing to go to a potluck or a women's group. There's nothing wrong with those, nothing at all. But we have to be really careful that they don't distract us from those twin towers, the great commandment, the great commission. Because Scripture teaches that we're to minister in our everyday, ordinary lives. We see that in Romans 12. And again, we'll turn to Peterson's paraphrase. 
So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So our workouts, our coffee, our staff meetings, our conference calls, our lunches, our appointments, our parenting, our everyday, ordinary life, that is our ministry field. That is where we've all been called. Until our life's last day, we go further, higher, deeper, always closer to the one who called us. That is a direct quote lifted from that homework assignment you had last week. It's from Oz Guinness. Let me say it again. Until our life's last day, we go further, higher, deeper, always closer to the one who called us. Because you see, as we serve God in our everyday ordinary life, we get to go closer and closer to him in communion every single day. So as we live out those pillars, we're actually growing closer to God. Don't you just love that? So when we're having coffee with Sue at 7.30, and Sue's pretty down, we're ready to encourage and build her up in Christ. And as we do, we too are being built up in Christ. When our boss talks to us at lunch about he wants to kind of change the way he manages things, we can engage in that conversation because we got a tool for that. We've trained in the Manage Well pillar. And as we use it, we too are growing deeper and deeper in our communion with Jesus. When we pick up our kids from school and they're complaining about their teachers, we pull out that can of gratitude and we start teaching them to be grateful for their teachers. And as we do, we also grow in our gratitude for our Lord and Savior. So being trained in these pillars helps equip us for whatever God has, he's gonna send our way that day so that we're ready for the work of ministry and so that we can grow closer to him. You know those times when you feel like maybe God's distant? He isn't, he's there, it's us. We're distracted. Just try serving him wherever you are. It draws you right back in to his presence, which is right before you. And then third, pastors are called for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. The language used here evokes the image of an athlete or a bodybuilder. Bodies don't just naturally develop into their full potential. It takes work. It takes effort. You got to get after it. Discipline in your diet, exercise, training, and yes, even disciplining yourself to rest and to recover. It's really, really important. It's biblical. So that we can be focused on the mission, plan our best for him, running to win. Which also means we must be in a constant battle against the relentless pull towards complacency. Whether we realize it or not, every individual, every group, every team, every single organization is in a constant war against complacency. Complacency is being satisfied with things as they are. There's really no need to train. We're all kind of done growing. I don't need to read the book of Matthew again. I've read it a couple times. There's really nothing more in it for me. I'm kind of a know-it-all. Because when we start operating that way, and it's so easy for church people, because we do this over and over, to fall into complacency. Whenever we do that, 
we begin to atrophy. We become less than we were designed to be. So how do we battle it? How do we battle complacency? Well, we seek accountability. We accept honest feedback. We remind ourselves day by day of our cosmic mission. That's why Jesus says we take up our cross daily and follow after him so that we run to win, humbling ourselves before the authority of Jesus Christ our Lord as the head of his church. And it's especially critical that we do this because of the way God designed each of us with a unique set of skills, knowledge, and behaviors. There's never been anyone like you before, and there will never be anyone like you again. If you just look around this church, you will see how diverse we are, various backgrounds, upbringings, and experiences. No one of us, exactly like the other, each uniquely endowed by Jesus for a purpose within his body. Some of us are a toe, others are a shoulder muscle, still others an eyelash or a fingernail. But each of us are called to a specific purpose within the body of Christ, and it's essential that we play our role to make the body whole. A church comprised of individual members united in our diversity, like that globe puzzle that you see up there. So when we become complacent, we don't just hurt ourselves. We impact all the other saints because we're not doing our part. We're not shouldering our load. This also happens whenever we try to play a role that we aren't called to play. For example, perhaps you've been a greeter for most of your church life, but you go on vacation, you visit another church, and you're like, wow, those greeters are really good. They're engaging. They're compelling. They, they, they drew me right in. So you realize maybe you're not really that good at greeting after all. And so maybe you approach me or you approach Cammie and you say, hey, do you, do you think I'm a good greeter? And, and I say, no, I don't think you're a good greeter at all. Um, but, but, I, but I do it with love. I say it with love. And so you're like, well, well I'm going to go train on this. I'm going to get better. I'm going to study how to be a better greeter. And so after months of getting after it, you stand at that door back there and you still see that when people pull up and they see you at that door, they look for another way to get into the church. This, this is just not your thing, right? You just, it's not your thing. So what do you do at that point? Well, no problem, because you are in pillars and you have other opportunities. So you talk to the pastors and the pastors say, hey, you know, I've seen you excel in the adore and praise pillar. Why don't you get after that a little bit? So you do, you start practicing with them, you're training with them, and God affirms it in your life that you actually could be called to that position. But of course, you also keep training with all the other pillars as God continues to call and gift you. And over the course of your life, as you look back, you see how your puzzle piece has grown over time. You're not the same as you were a few years back. You've been transformed from that orange puzzle piece to the blue one as you're being built up by the Holy Spirit along with all the other members of the church. And of course, all the while, the pastors are carrying out their call to ministry to equip the saints so that you, the saints, can carry out the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. And that's why the image of a kind, agreeable, entertaining pastor who's running around operating and managing every program in the church 
who smiles and tells you what you want to hear. It's just not the image we find of a pastor in the Bible. And it's certainly not the one you all got about 18 months ago. I'm sorry about that. I know some of you have been taken back a little bit or been a little shocked from time to time about my directness and my candor. And I certainly don't mean to be that way. I'm not trying to come off as one of those guys, one of those tough guys. But I just wasn't sent here to make you feel good about yourself. The Lord's called me to equip each and every one of you for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. And I absolutely do love you enough to tell you the truth, the sometimes hard but always loving truth of Scripture. So that's exactly what Cammie and I are going to keep doing, because at the end of the day, it's all about taking up our cross and following after Jesus day by day, loving Him and loving others, making disciples, playing our best for Him, running to win. And as we do, we get to grow closer in communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.